1: This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 12,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales.
0: Welcome to the Action Catalyst. In this episode, Ron interviews former Southwestern Consulting coaching client, Josh Hudson, the owner and CEO of Hudson's Furniture, and hope you enjoy. Hello, Josh. Listeners, I've got uh, my good friend, Josh Hudson, joining today. This is Ron Alford, live with you for an edition of Action Catalyst. And this is something I've been looking forward to greatly for quite a while, Josh, just getting to spend this time with you. And uh, after a lot of years of us spending time in a, in a very intimate setting. So I, I was hoping if you could just to kind of kick us off, just walk the listeners through your story, man, your background fascinated me, just your your desire in the fitness arena. Obviously, you are about to have your fourth child, your marriage, your family story of Hudson's Furniture and kind of how that came about and, and then your role. Um, if you don't mind, just give us a little bit of the path that you have to your role now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited to be here today and to get a chance to share my story and talk with uh, your audience a little bit. But um, yeah, my story you know, is some second generation um, family business. And so um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners that are out there that have, have dealt with family businesses, they have a lot of complications and They have a lot of challenges. They have a lot of awesome opportunity as well. But, um, you know, I joined the family business in a a time of, um, in a time where there was a lot of trouble. There was a lot of financial difficulty. There was a lot of strain that came with that. And uh, all I knew was hard work. And I worked really, really, really hard for a long time. And then I thought, well, there's got to be a way that I can work a little bit smarter to, navigate all these challenges and uh, even though things were going good um, that's kind of what led me to the path of kind of exploring a coach like a business coach and I've always been an athlete and I've always learned a lot from my coaches and I thought well this is kind of silly you know not having one for business and so that led me to the path of of exploring relationship with with Southwestern Consulting and with you Ron and it was uh, it was a lot of fun, but yeah, there was a lot of challenges. I was a very young guy trying to take over. I had a lot of older leadership, and I have a twin brother, and you know, we had all sorts of you know closeness and challenges there. So uh, yeah, I had a, a huge <laughs> long list of challenges. Um, but again, business was headed in a great direction. I just knew that we could do better. I knew that I could do better on so many levels for myself, for my people and so forth. And that's kind of my story and where I am now still in the, uh, in the same position.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So maybe to get into specifics too, because I think for a lot of our listeners, whether whatever industry they're in, obviously is, is somewhat irrelevant, but for, for any of us that are in sales, in business, in leadership, recruiting, I mean, obviously influencing, right. And, and, and that, that role, you, I remember on our first call, just thinking, man, you, you didn't have a lot of challenge. Like you, you really were grooving. Like your business was trending upwards. Family was great. Health was great. You just had a lot going for you. Uh, but I think f- what, what, the story behind the story was, was there's always something deeper there. And so your story, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the business started kind of great depression era and then formally in 1981, right. And your dad was running it when we started and then you and your brother were kind of taking, you know, taking over. So to get into the dynamics of that president, then CEO, now, um, walk us through it, man. If you, if you could just a couple specific challenges that you guys were facing.
2: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a twin and I know you have twins, so you're probably getting to witness that. Um, you know, I have a twin brother and he's a super talented guy. Um, and we're, uh, you know, 50, 50 business partners. And, um, you know, it, it was a, there were so many dynamics there because he has a lot of talent. He's also very different than me. we both are open as, Hey, you're two very different people. And then you have to make it work. And then we have the dynamic of, you know, our dad and him trying to let go and him having to pass it on. And then you know, uh, you know, the, the generational differences and leadership styles and running a business style. And, uh, we had some other silent family members involved and the dynamics of that. Um, you know, yeah, things were, things were going good, but I just knew that under the surface, there were some things that were teeming that were difficult. to really look out at the horizon and be like okay well this is going to work great 20 years from now or 10 years from now or even five years from now the the trend line was good but there was sort of uh, you know always a tug in my gut about how is this going to work long term you know am I on a sustainable path I think um, you know my natural nature was just to run with the ball as hard as I could and uh, even if you're doing that and you're having some successes, you're going to cause a lot of commotion. You're going to cause distance with yourself and other people, and especially the other people that are the leaders in the business with you if they're not on the same pace as you are. And so I had dynamics like that going on like crazy where there were distances dividing between me and key family members. And trying to figure out, okay, how are we all going to stay together and accomplish this long-term? And, you know, um, I think I also really struggled to look really long-term and say, okay, well, what are my big end goals? You know, and that was a lot of what, you know, you and I worked together with is you would ask me the really deep, the really hard questions that would produce answers that would change behaviors for me in the short term they made me better as a leader they would you know things like you'd say hey well josh if if one of your goals out of this family business is to have a tight family relationship with everyone that you're in business with what are you doing today to ensure that could happen and you know if i said nothing <laughs> then that was that was that was something that had to get fixed and so you know I think I think that was a big part of to answer your question of what was going on at the present time that we knew we needed to work on.
0: Yeah. Well, you're specifically highlighted in our book Redefining Possible in the chapter on Faith. And I think even just listening to what you just said, like in your role, where on paper, the income's great, the titles great, the influence is great. You have a lot of people that report to you you know, they're, they're still like, I'm, I'm just fascinated by you still had that level of uncertainty. Like what, what's this going to look like in five years? What's this going to look like in 20, 30, 40 years for my family and for the business? And, and then it, it comes back to that powerful word, right? Faith is, is such a grand term, but on a day-to-day level, you having faith that things were going to work out, uh, you know, walk through, if you don't mind, just when, when you think of the day-to-day back then, cause we talked about how you delegate, right? You had so much on your plate, how you kind of emotionally let go of some of the things you can't control, right? The reality is you kind of got what you got in certain ways. And so it's like, how do I accept some of those areas? And then how do I really focus on the things I can control? What are things you do? Because I think a lot of our listeners, and I know myself, I struggle with the faith thing weekly. Like, how do I keep that 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 faith stoked? How do I keep that confidence alive, even even in a world of uncertainty? you even speak that on that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, when I think about where I was back then, it's really interesting, right? Because I'm, you know, my oldest is just turned 12 now. And so I was just into the kid world. And, you know, as you transition from a single guy to having a family, I mean, I could go a million miles an hour. I could work a lot. Um, I knew I was kind of on an unsustainable path though. And that's where me and you were kind of talking I said, I can't do this forever. I can't have a family and operate like this. I can't. And this isn't even what I want, regardless of that. I don't, I don't want to do this forever. And I knew I was unable to sustain it long term. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking too, um, you know, when we started working together, I didn't have an assistant and you were the one that started opening the doors, uh, for me to explore using an assistant and, um, uh, you know, all, the, all these things, they came with incredible challenges. I mean, even using an assistant, learning how to delegate, um, learning how to spend times on the, on the things that you know matter long-term but not short-term, uh, those were the things that were so, that was the hard work, you know, if I'm remembering right, because it, it wasn't, you know, the immediate payoff of getting a job done type of work that I was used to. But when I made the connection, you know, with you and we were talking about it, you know, I did. I had faith that something was wrong. I had faith that I needed to explore new ways of doing things. I had faith that I needed to think about sustainable, uh, long-term systems and growth. And I needed to work on, you know, relationship building. I needed to work on my communication skills, my delegation skills. And so, um, you know, there was a lot of places in there where there's a lot of fear. Right, because I was scared about having kids. I was scared about you know sustaining the path I was on. Um, scared about what would, how I would be perceived if there was a downturn. Like I, I knew I was a hero while sales were up, but what would that, you know, that wouldn't, that obviously isn't possible, you know, unless. Now, I guess it is possible for some companies, but, you know, I knew that I needed to build myself, my leadership and my company in a way that we were kind of unshakable. It didn't feel, it felt more like, a you know, a deck of cards when we started working together and now it feels really sustainable. And I think it took a lot of faith to see through those problems at that time and say, you know what, this will work out long-term and this is the right answer and this feels right, you know. Not now, but it feels right in the future. And what do we need to do together to partner with that to try to get these get the systems in place to make it work?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. I I listened to you too. And I, I think I'm sitting here trying to think of a lot of listeners that we have that are that are going through this the dynamic of for you, and I'd love for you to speak on this, but for you being someone that has to daily overcome complacency, yeah, you know, how how do you embrace the grind and kind of embrace the monotony. You've obviously been in this family business for a long time. It's been part of your life since you were a kid, of course. And uh, But how do you keep fresh? How do you keep driven? How do you keep that hunger alive of to, to really grow and uh, while at the same time also embrace balance and realize that your family wants you to unplug and not be thinking about work at night or on the weekend? Your kids just want dad. Your, your, your wife just wants her husband. Right. So how do you kind of combine those two things, you know, keeping that drive alive, but also being able to let go of it and just relax?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, one is how do I have the drive? And for me, that one's really easy is, you know, it feels so good to get better. It feels so good to help other people. It feels so good to know, Hey, you're trying to go somewhere in life with an organization you know, if you're if you're winning, maybe not even financially, you're building your business, but maybe you have a mission, whatever that is, um, and you believe in that mission, and then you get to see that come to life, nothing feels better, in my opinion. That it feels it feels great to have any kind of win. It's motivating and it pushes you on. So for me, I'm always wanting to figure out a way to win. And I think, you know, I think God put us on earth here to to live his word. And I think when we do that, we get better all the time and we realize we don't have all the answers and we realize we need to reach out and, and, and interact with other people that might have those answers that could help us. Like, you know, I mean, whatever challenges you're facing right now, right? If you're leading a business, you're leading a company, um, you all have them, you have the challenges and, you know, you're not going to get out of those challenges with the same mind you got into them with, right? You've got to do something different. You've got to change your mentality a little bit. You've got to expand. You got to get better. You got to work with someone. You got to see those blind spots. You got to do that hard work. Um, and you got to recognize that you have no chance of improving or getting out of your current situation if you're really just strictly depending on your own mind for that. So, Um, I just, I love finding, I mean, I'm at the point now where like, it's motivating for me to find a blind spot. Like I love getting a 360 evaluation from, you know, a a new team member has been with me 30 days and they're exposing opportunity. And we've created a culture where they're like, Hey, you know, here's an opportunity. Here's something that wasn't right with my onboarding experience. Um, my mentality is different than it used to be. I used to feel attacked. Now I feel thankful when opportunities in this come up. And because, I've just created the the mentality where I know it feels so much better, you know, to to grow and to learn. And I think what also helps me balance that out is, you know, when you work hard, uh, you know, with someone like Ron, you, you ask yourself, what are your goals, right? And if one of your goals is your family, which I'm sure for most listeners out there it is, is to contribute to them and make them better, then, you know, then you got to do it. And you, you know you got to understand where that is on your priority list. And yeah, if you were at work, could you be building your business a little bit? But yeah, but it's not your priority, right? It's not your number one. And um, and it helps it helps me get that balance and perspective because I live in a business where if my if I'm there more, it's going to do better, you know. But at some point, I just cu- I have to have peace with cutting it off and being like, hey. I gave it everything I could. I got as, um, and now it's now it's time for me to invest in my other biggest goal.
0: Right on, yeah. Wow, you you just touched on a couple of things, man, that I think are so relevant. You talked a lot about blind spots and getting feedback, and I love what you just said. I think to me, that's a transformation of when any leader goes from kind of, yeah, you know, we we all have that ego, right? Ego can be the enemy, where it's just like we hear feedback and it's like. You'd feel attack, I think were your words. And mm-hmm. then a transformation that happens where it's like, Man, thank you. That feedback is priceless. Like you're getting valuable feedback from someone that might make you make a little adjustment that could that could greatly impact the future. So what are other areas for you where you get feedback? Um, you know, do you have a routine in terms of reading or seminars? Obviously, we've talked about code changes, just, just other things you do to kind of sharpen yourself.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think one that you have to do is, and that's very hard and you have to work at this, is you have to foster the relationships and the trust among your close team. And this is your family too, where they're comfortable telling you what the feedback is that's on their mind. And so, you know, I've worked hard on that with our executive team, but I use the example of my wife for this call. She's an incredible champion of mine, just big supporter of mine, right? But I know I screw up bad with her too, you know? And if I'm not as the leader creating intentionally working with her to create an environment where I can get some constructive feedback, I won't get any. And so I think is, you know, that's a big thing with trying to find blind spots is you might say, oh yeah, I'm open, but are you really? I mean, what kind of digging have you really done to show your team that you're vulnerable and you're willing to accept that feedback and um, it's not easy it's, you know, it's definitely not easy like you mentioned the, the ego piece of it i mean you listen to this podcast you have an ego the ego is what helps you get to where you are you know you can't ignore that it's there but what are you doing to manage it right actively and to let people know that you want to create a team where you guys are open to it and the benefit is when you go first in this you set that culture and now you know, you'll see other team members rising up and, you know, asking them the same questions, asking people underneath them the same things. And so it really, um, has been transformational and it's been a process for me too. It's been a long process. (laughs) It's still going on and you have to commit to it and stay with it for a long time. I mean, if you, I think I've even been through phases where you just tried it real quick and then people were like, hmm, I'm not sure I'm ready yet, you know? And then two years later, it, it works. So, yeah, I think that's probably one of the biggest things with getting that feedback, seeing blind spots, being able to improve is creating a culture where people trust you and they know that's what you're committed to and you're willing to do it.
0: Yeah. Way to stand for that, man. You, you, I think, are an example of just layers of accountability, layers of feedback, too. I think sometimes, I know I've made the mistake in the past of having one area where I might be getting some accountability or getting feedback and just thinking, you know, check, I checked the box and, uh, <laughs> and I'm not as good as I could be. Is it, but so you talked about like your wife, Amy, right? Yep. Um, obviously your dad and brother, whether you wanted that feedback or not, sometimes Yep.
2: <laughs> they were
0: easy. <laughs> uh, yep. Um, And then, and then you even give these, of course, a coach, y'all, for me, like being at someone, you having someone outside the bubble, uh, and then you even give the example of like a new employee that's giving you feedback. So that, that's four, that's an example. And then obviously I'm sure you had peers and friends from church or friends from college or, so you've got four or five areas there going where you're getting levels or layers of feedback and accountability. That's powerful.
2: Yeah. Every, and everyone, you know, what I hear on this one a lot too, is everyone's perspective is unique. Okay. And and you as a leader have to understand it for every person, right? In order to be big, get yourself better as a company. So, you know, someone that's new joining my team, they have different feedback, they have perspective, someone. So, and everyone's perspective is right. It's theirs. And so I think that that has opened so many doors for me. And that was what you helped me with so much was to be open to accepting that and building myself because of that understanding, digging in, asking why, all that. I can remember those questions uh, very, very well.
0: <laughs> Whether you like them or not, right? That's
2: right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, brother, you're, you're st- what's one of the questions I wanted to ask you, Matt, that I think is so cool with your family story, just the if you go on hudsonsfurniture.com just the, the, the backstory, right, of, of the height of the Great Depression and, and some of the early roots of the company, for you guys, having gone through the Great Recession, you know the the 2008 setbacks, right? It just feels like there's all these seasons in our life, and sometimes they're global or national. Sometimes they're more of a personal thing, where it's just it's just a situation you might be going through with your daughter or your own health. But but for all of our listeners, they're in a place. There's a lot of people right now that are just in a really emotional state. What are some things you would say, man, just if you could just speak to some of those valleys and and, and wisdom you have and trying to get through some of that stuff?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I, I, it's hard for me not to go to my faith when I think about the hard times, right? And, you know, I think that if if the core of who you are and the goals you're going after, whether it's business or whatever, if they're grounded in your faith and they're grounded in the principles of, of the Bible, then you're... You can't be wrong, right? And what you need is that trust during those hard times, whatever they are, whether they're outside influence or internal influence, that your north is headed in the right direction. Everything you're about and what you're wanting to do to push your team to, the goals you're wanting to hit, even if they're financial, how you want to get there, the root of all of that is grounded in your faith. You can't be wrong. And so you won't have that. The challenge of second guessing yourself, which is which is what I believe attacks a lot of people is they get in really tough times. And I've been there so many times myself and you're, that's when you're going to see how solid everything you built, your brand, your company, what kind of rock it's built on. And if it's built on the right rock, it's going to be rock solid and you're going to have the faith and the courage that you need. To push through those goals, and um, you know, I, I know for me, that's that's what's happened many times, and I've had the internal ones, which were worse many times than the external recessions that we have have been through.
0: Yeah, likewise, the internal. You know, the external ones come and, and go, thankfully, and boy, the internal ones. It, there's an old saying that you're either in a valley, you're just coming out of a valley, or you're about to go into a valley, and <laughs> I think sometimes the less we fight that, I know I've had a lot of valleys where I'm just like, uh, why me? Or "Why? why am I so unique or what? And it's like, stop. That's not true. Like I'm believing a lie. I'm a human. I'm, I'm on earth, which by definition (laughs) I'm going to be going. And then, and then when I don't fight it as much, it minimizes it. And I think it passes quicker. Uh, so I have, I have one other question for you, man. I just time to keep flies, brother. I, I, uh, I remember when we started our coaching journey, um, one of the things specifically that stood out, because the way I think about faith is, to me, I try to wrap my head around the fact that it's kind of like a muscle that I'm either working out and strengthening or it's stagnant and it's becoming flat. And the things I read, the people I hang out with and associate with, I mean, I am highly influenced. I'm highly programmed, unfortunately, by the outside influences. Um, And so... If I, if I strengthen the muscle, no matter what people's spiritual beliefs are, if I have faith, like you talked about the rock, then I'm going to be able to get through these valleys. I'm going to be able to get through these challenges different than other humans that it might take long. Um, when we started coaching on our first call, you said uh, you were giving up drinking for, for at least a year. You you talked about you hadn't had a drink in a few weeks and you said, you know what? I, I just feel sharp breath. Like this is a small example of for me to be the most present husband, the most clear, empathetic, patient dad, to be able to make crisp, clear decisions at work. Now, this isn't everybody's thing, but for you personally, that was a tough choice to say, because a lot of your world is social. You're, you're you're coming in as a hero. You have well over a dozen stores, right? 17 or 18 stores throughout Florida. Yeah. And I got to imagine for you to come in and have a happy hour and have social time with everybody and Josh, let's grab a drink. And But for you to say no to that, that's an example in your life of where you were giving something up to strengthen that muscle. Anything you've been, you've done last year or two you'd speak to on that note similar.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, being subject to, you know, outside influences, which we all are. And, you know, the level at which you admit it allows you to step up your game on how you want to control it. And, you know, I still practice that to this day. Um, whereas if, you know, you know, just, uh, you could probably, I could probably go on forever on the subject of alcohol because, you know, it's, I know. it's a challenging one, but the, 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 we tend to think that alcohol is a stress reliever and I'm not sitting here, propo- I'm not a proponent of not drinking at all, but what I'm telling you is that it, it is a stress adder most of the time, because when you're stressed and you're drinking, um, if you're under a lot of stress, it's, you might Feel like it's helping you, but it's not. You need time. You need presence. You need to think straight. And So I, I knew that I'm in a lot of those critical times, that when I think I might need to have a drink, it's the opposite. And so I was just trying to practice a little bit of discipline to help me get through a tough time. And I would certainly encourage anyone on that. But uh, you know, on a on a simpler level, I would say that as of recently, you know, there's so much outside media and influence going on right now that um, I can't have a huge amount of control over, right? I mean, my biggest opportunity to influence the world is the people around me. I firmly believe that every day. The ones that get to contact, come in contact with, the ones that see me, the ones that I get to interact with, I don't believe that my public news feed is my opportunity to influence the world. So I don't focus my attention there. I focus it on the relationships I have with other people around me I focus it on what I can control and I try to minimize the noise that I can't. And you know, I know that that message probably doesn't go over great with a lot of people, but when you've lived it like I have in this situation and many more, I just say, you got to try it and you'll see that there's a piece that comes with focusing on what you can control, focusing on who you do listen to and uh, giving the rest as little as you can.
0: Well, whether we want to hear it or not, uh, you know, and I think there's an element of know thyself too. Like I just think, you know, for you being at peace, we all are unique, and then at the same time, there's there's similarities with all of us. And so, for some of our listeners, if it's not alcohol, for you to say, okay, I got I got to kind of unplug from news or social media a little bit, And that might be kind of getting into my head. Man, that's awesome because it obviously stresses are already there enough.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And those doors of what you might need to stop doing. And those, the, you know, those being able to see that they don't open up without a lot of hard work on yourself, you know? And so they don't have to be, like you said, they don't have to be the social media door. They don't have to be the alcohol door, but, but everyone's got them. And are you aware of which ones you need to shut in order to become the best version of yourself that you could be? And, you know, that's where I'm so appreciative of our relationship, Ron. And you, I mean, you can't see them on your own a lot of times and then getting exposure to that and then being able to fix it and win. Uh, it's fun. So
0: fun. Yeah. It couldn't be more fun, man. Thank you. I just really appreciate your heart always, man. Your your team is lucky to have you, brother. And, and uh, I'm your biggest fan in Seattle from across the nation, cheering I you love up. it.
2: We couldn't get any further apart, man, but it doesn't ever feel like it.
0: <laughs> no, Josh, just thanks for always, man. Always, always taking time. I know you got a lot on your plate, but just to give some of your personal story to our listeners, man, I think it's going to make a really big difference for people. So, hope we get to cross paths in person very soon.
2: All right. Sounds great, Ron. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed
0: it.
1: If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.